Is the Lord Jesus truly the lion and the lamb? Yes, he is. As the lion, he conquered sin and death, and this victory was made possible through his work on the cross. He stepped in as the innocent lamb, sacrificed for our sins once and for all. Okay, so we're going to get into our declaration this morning, and uh, I'd like to uh, invite John Paul. He's one of our young leaders coming up. Uh, he'll come up and he'll lead us in the declaration today. Morning, church. Good morning, church. Much better. Even <clears throat> uh, as we get ready to do the declaration, uh, can I please ask all of us to please turn to Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 onwards. Jeremiah chapter 1, verse 4 onwards. I'll just read that out for us. The word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. Our sovereign Lord, I said, I do not know how to speak. I am only a child. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you and will rescue you, declares the Lord. This chapter is very interesting conversation with God and the prophet Jeremiah. And when they started the conversation, God is asking him to come out for his life call, his life's mission. And seeing the life mission, Jeremiah is saying, God, it is too much and I'm not eligible for that. and I'm not good enough for that. So seeing that and listening to what Jeremiah said, God told him back, do not say those, those, those things which you said you are not good enough, you are not eligible enough, you are a child, you are talking about your inferiorities. Now, this is one of the things that we can understand from the scripture, that when God is asking us to step into a new place, a new thing, when he wants us to do things in our life, Sometimes we tend to speak words of discouragement, words of negativity, words of, um, let's say, inferiority that God is reminding us this morning. Do not say that you are a child. Do not say that you are not eligible. But say and speak what I am commanding you. Verse Seven says, do not say I am only a child. You must go to everyone I send you and say whatever I command you. This is what the Lord is asking us to do. So even as we do the declaration, we are standing in alignment with God and speaking of what God is speaking over us. And we are declaring I am blessed. It means God wants to see us blessed. When we say, God, I am declaring that I am victorious, that means... God wants us to be victorious. That's why we are standing in alignment with what God has to say. And we declare that over our lives. Can we do that this morning, church? Okay, let's all rise to our feet. If you have brought your Bibles, hold it high up in the air. If you are at your home, living room, you can do the same, all right? Let's do it loud, bold, and strong. This is God's word. This is God speaking to me. I am who God says I am. 
I can do what God says I can do. I will become everything God has promised. I am saved, healed, delivered, redeemed. I am blessed, victorious, prosperous, triumphant. I am a minister of God, a servant of Christ, and a channel of his blessing to many people. I receive his word, I believe his word, and I live by his word. Christ is my master, and to him I am in absolute surrender. I present myself as a new wineskin to receive the new wine and fresh oil being poured out on me. God releases new things and a new work of his spirit in me and through me. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. Please be seated. God bless you. Thank you, John. Appreciate it. Thank you. All right. Today, through the month of December, we've just, uh, uh, um, what do you call it, rostered different ones from our pastoral team to uh, minister the word of God to us. And uh, this morning, we are delighted to have uh, Selena McQuana minister to us. Just a little bit of background. Uh, Selena graduated from the Union Biblical Seminary in Pune uh, with a Bachelor's of Divinity degree. Uh, and then she spent about eight years after that working with uh, a few other few Christian organizations, uh, mainly with youth and with children and youth. Uh, this included a time with Youth for Christ and also about five years. Uh, that she spent working with Urban Indian Ministries in Bangalore. So after that period of eight years, she joined us, All People's Church, in 2008. Uh, she joined us primarily to head up Catalyst, which was our outreach into schools. She actually started that with us. So we started with nothing, and, uh, and if I remember correctly, at one point, Catalyst was doing a tremendous work. We were in about seven to nine schools. My numbers may be a little off, but uh, seven to nine schools. And on a weekly basis, uh, we were reaching about 20,000 students every week uh, through Catalyst program. And um, then I think in 2010, 2011, she also took charge of our children's church. And so she was uh, heading up children's church across all five of our Bangalore locations. Uh, she also took up responsibility to write our children's church curriculum. We wanted to create our own curriculum for our children so that we could you know, impart to them what we felt they needed to learn uh, during their time through children's church. So that work is still going on. And uh, so we're just blessed. Uh, she also teaches us, uh, teaches at our Bible college uh, for all the three years. Uh, she teaches uh, the students at our Bible college. So, so we are very blessed to have uh, Selena McQuana as part of our pastoral team. So, Selena, why don't you come up? Why don't we rise to our feet, please? Put our hands together and uh, welcome Selena as she ministers God's word to us. Thank you, church. Please be seated. Thank you, pastor. Thank you for giving me the opportunity to share God's word this morning. 
joy, unspeakable joy. There is unspeakable joy every time we meet corporately as his body, as his church. I was just reminded as we worship this morning, for the psalmist declaring in Psalms chapter 84 verse 10 where he says, anyone knows what the psalmist says in 84 verse 10? Better is one day in the house of the Lord than a thousand elsewhere. You are close, Amuda. Thank you. Better is one day in the house of the Lord, in the courts of the Lord, than a thousand elsewhere. Just worshipping God after so many months in church has just brought this unspeakable joy. And there is something in this corporate gathering uh, that we can't get anywhere else. I'm sure you agree with me on that. There's no better place than just being in the house of the Lord, worshipping this King of Kings with all of them who have been redeemed by his precious blood. Before I share with you from God's word, I'd like to wish all of you here in the auditorium and those who are worshipping with us online, a very blessed and Christ-centered Christmas and a blessed new year. And before I share from God's word, let's just look to the Lord in prayer. Let's pray. Father, this morning, even as we've acknowledged that you alone, O oh God, are King of Kings, God, we enthrone you because you are holy, you are worthy, God. We exalt you in this place, Father God. We thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us. God becoming man. Revealing the Father heart of God to us. We thank you, Jesus. We thank you, God, for revealing yourself to us from your word. And even as this morning we look at those prophecies, as those, at those revelations, God, we pray that you would Give us your insights that you will reveal new things to us, God. That your rhema word will just fall upon us, God. Will just drench our souls, our spirits, Father. That truly, God, we will know you for who you are. For what you have revealed to us, God. And that we will live our lives in the light of the revelation that we have received from you. In your word that we have received from you in the days gone past, that we receive from you this morning, God, that we will be en encouraged and blessed and refreshed, God, to continue to live our lives. We thank you, God. Speak to us this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The way we celebrate Christmas uh, this year may be a lot different from what we generally are accustomed to celebrating uh, over the past years. Many people may feel disappointed that they cannot do the normal fun activities and um, the fun things that they do every Christmas season. And for many, the biggest disappointment can be that they can't attend a church service on Christmas Day and New Year's Day. Yes, there may be a change in the way we will celebrate Christmas and New Year's Day this year. But the God whom we celebrate 
Jesus, whom we celebrate, never changes. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Can we say an amen to that? Amen. Despite the limitations and the restrictions on us, the joy, the happiness, and the festive mood will not be dampened. The festive spirit will not be dampened when we truly understand the Jesus that we celebrate. So what do we really know about Jesus? Who is this Jesus anyway? It may be a simple, easy question for you to answer, but I will elaborate. I will tell you why I asked you this question. Based on our experiences, our encounters, our relationship with Jesus, all of us would have a favorite image of Jesus in our mind. What is your favorite image of Jesus? What comes to your mind? What is your favorite image of Jesus? Well, it's good for us to have a favorite image of Jesus in our mind, but this could lead to danger because we would choose to think of Jesus in just those terms and not in others. There's always a danger in focusing on one, just one specific true aspect or true character of Jesus. And we tend to overemphasize that and we end up misunderstanding or misinterpreting the person of Jesus. Throughout the Bible, we see God revealing himself and his son to mankind. In the Old Testament, there are more than 300 prophecies concerning Jesus' birth, his life, his death, and his resurrection. And all of these prophecies were fulfilled in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ. I would like to draw our attention this morning to a few of them in the Old Testament. I will just be reading the verses um, that are relevant for our study this morning, but the other verses will be displayed for us on the screen. The first prophecy regarding Jesus in the Old Testament was in the Garden of Eden, when God said in Genesis chapter three, verse 15, and I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your seed and her seed. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. So in the Garden of Eden, God was announcing the coming of our Messiah. And God said that Satan would wound the Messiah, but the Messiah would crush Satan. In 2 Samuel chapter 7, verse 12 to 13, we have this prophecy spoken by the prophet Nathan uh, to King David, reaffirming that Jesus is from the line of David and his kingdom will never end. His kingdom would be forever. From the prophecy of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, we know that Jesus was born into the tribe of Bethlehem and in the town, uh, sorry, into the tribe of Judah and in the town of Bethlehem. Moving on to Genesis chapter 49, verses 8 to 10, Jacob calls all of his sons together and tells each one what is going to happen in the days to come. 
And here we see that he speaks a prophetic word. He speaks in a prophetic language. When he gets to his son Judah, he says, Judah, you are he whom your brother shall praise. Your hand shall be on the neck of your enemies. Your father's children will bow down before you. Judah is a lion's whelp. From the prey of my son, you have gone up. He bows down, he lies down as a lion. And as a lion, who shall arouse him? The scepter shall not depart from Judah, nor a lawgiver from between his feet, until Shiloh comes. And to him shall be the obedience of the people. In this prophecy, we see the scepter shall not depart from Judah. Scepter symbolizes kingly authority or kingly lordship. The reference to the lion of the tribe of Judah points out to the conquering and victorious king who would descend from the lineage of Judah. The lion is pointing to one person, none other than Jesus himself. God who became human, God in human form, who is the lion of the tribe of Judah. From the prophecy in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, we know that this Messiah would be born to a virgin. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will conceive and bear a son, and his name shall be called Emmanuel. What does Emmanuel mean? God with us indicating the divinity of Jesus. The prophecies concerning Jesus' suffering that is written for us and recorded for us in the book of Isaiah, it's called as the servant songs or the songs of the suffering servant. There are four such songs, but I would like to draw attention to the one in Isaiah chapter 53. And I will not be reading the entire chapter, but just uh, three verses from Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4, 5, and 7. Isaiah 53, verses 4 and 5. Surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken and spitten, my God, and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter, and as a sheep before his shearers is silent, so he opened not his mouth. So from these few revelations that we uh, seen in the Old Testament, I would like to mention two main images and two main names of God given in scripture, that is used in scripture, that describes the person and the work of Jesus. Here we have the image of the lion of the tribe of Judah describing Jesus's conquering, describing Jesus as the conquering and the victorious king. The other is that of a lamb describing Jesus' full, sufficient, and perfect sacrifice that he made on the cross on our behalf, that he made on the cross for mankind. Let's look at a few prophecies or revelations of Jesus in the New Testament. 
In Luke chapter 1, verses 31 and 32, we read the angel speaking or declaring or appearing to Mary and saying, And behold, you will conceive in your womb and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. He will be great and he will be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and, his king, and of his kingdom there will be no end. We also see that the angel appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for, what? for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit, and she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now God could have just told Mary and Joseph, Mary, Joseph, now I have this plan that, uh, you know, I decided just even before the foundations of the earth, and I, I want Mary, who is a virgin, to fulfill this for me, and she will give birth to a son. God could have just told this much to Mary and Joseph. But we see that God reveals Jesus' identity, his uniqueness, his greatness, and the purpose of his birth. Now, why do you think Jesus or God revealed this, um, you know, detailed revelation, so to say, to Mary and Joseph? Because Mary and Joseph needed to know who this Jesus really is. They needed to see the greater and the whole picture of the Son of God. They needed to see this so that they can overcome and face, they can face and overcome their challenges and their difficulties that would unfold in their lives. One of the difficulties they faced was when they went to Bethlehem. They tapped on every hotel door. They may even have tried the Taj, O'Broy, Marriott. Maybe you're saying, hey, wait a minute, all this was not there in Jesus' time. Well, maybe the likes of it. But what happened? All the doors were shut on them. Don't you think Mary and Joseph would have wondered, hey, did we really hear correctly what the angel said? The angel told us that this child is the son of the most high God, that he will be the king. Don't you think they would have been puzzled that there was no place for the son of God to be born? Don't you think they would have been anxious and worried, thinking where will we, you know, where will this child be born? They must have thought at least God could have arranged a seven-star or a five-star accommodation for us, or leave alone all of that. At least something just simple and basic for the Son of God to be born. A stable. Was this the place where the Son of the Most High God was to be born? Was this a place where a king should be born? However, we see that Mary and Joseph just accommodated themselves to what was available. And soon they experienced 
joy and happiness and fulfillment and contentment just looking at the face of the Son of God. Why do you think they sensed this in the midst of hay and animals? I think it was because of the revelation they received. If not for the revelation they received, they would have just given up. They would have thought that, you know, this is something that they really didn't hear, or this is something meaningless, or this is something they just dreamt of. It is not something that is really true. But in spite of all their frustrations and disappointments and hardships that they face, they came through because of this revelation that they received. In spite of the closed doors, they found joy, happiness, contentment, and fulfillment just seeing the face of the Son of God. Maybe some of you are facing closed doors in your life. There seems to be no end to these closed doors, just one after the other. And finally, something just opened up, and you are terribly disappointed. Because it was not just like the stable, it was something that you never anticipated. It's something that you never even thought and dreamt of. And maybe you're telling God, God, I thought you had big plans for me. I thought you had plans to prosper me, to give me a hope and a future, and to give me a prosperous future. But is this simple, ordinary, mediocre plan for my life? Is this from you, God? Is this something that I really need to accept? Well, one revelation of God is that he has big plans for his children. His plans are for, to, are, are, for, to, are for us to prosper and to give us a bright future. But God's word also reveals another side of the same thing. God's word reveals in Zechariah 4, chapter 4, verse 10, for who has despised the day of small things? God's word reveals to us that the same God who has big plans for us, plans to prosper us, plans to give us a hope and future, the same God is a God of simple, small, and humble beginnings. Like I just read from Zechariah chapter 4, verse 10, for who has despised the day of small beginnings? Don't despise the day of small beginnings. Though they are small, simple, and humble beginnings, God will reveal his greatness. He will do great things through small, humble, and simple beginnings. Just rejoice and celebrate in these small beginnings. Remember, from a small seed grows a huge tree. Let's move on to God's revelation of his son just before the time he began his earthly ministry. The Jews sent priests and Levites to John the Baptist asking him if he was the Messiah or the Christ. And we see that John the Baptist denies both of these titles. The very next day when John sees Jesus, he points out to Jesus and he says, 
Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. John chapter 1 verse 29. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The people in Israel, the Jews, needed to hear this revelation. This was the right time for this revelation to come out. Why? Because the Jews, the Israelites, were under Roman oppression, under Roman rule. Tyranny and oppression were high, taxes were high, hope was small, unemployment was high, and the future was very, very bleak. And the people were looking for a Messiah, for a king who will redeem them from Roman oppression, tyranny, and rule. So when Jesus entered Jerusalem on a donkey, the crowds who went before him and those who were along with him shouted, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. Hosanna to the son of David. The crowd and the people openly gave Jesus the titles appropriate for a Messiah, for a king. What does Hosanna mean? What does Hosanna mean? Anyone knows? No one? Maybe I can't hear you because you're wearing masks. Hosanna means save now. Means save now. It means save us now. It was originally a cry for help. Save, save. But here when people were shouting Hosanna to the son of David, they were not actually saying save us from our sins. They were not actually thinking of salvation or forgiveness of sins, but they wanted this Messiah, they wanted this king to save them, to deliver them from the Roman rule. They were really fed up. But was Jesus the king? Was Jesus the king that they expected? We see right from Jesus' birth and the life that he lived on, his, on this earth, he did not match up to the status or the role of an earthly king. And Jesus told everyone this. In Matthew chapter 20, verse 28, we read this. Jesus says, the son of man did not come to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. So Jesus made it very clear to the people that he was not this Messiah, this king, that they were looking for in him. He expressed himself as a true Messiah in the true sense when he said, you know, I have come to serve and not to be served and to give my life as a ransom for many. Now when Jesus didn't fit the expectation of the Jewish people, of the Israelites, the same crowd shouted, what did they shout? Crucify him. The same crowd that shouted Hosanna to the son of David, the same crowd shouted crucify him. 
Why? Because they were utterly disappointed that this Messiah that they had hoped for, that they were waiting for, they anticipated, and when they gave him that titles and they gave him that position, this Messiah let them down. So did Jesus really let them down? The Jews knew the Old Testament prophecies, especially regarding the Messiah. Why? Because, you know, they were in this situation, they were in this frustration, frustrating, hopeless situation. And so they, they read up the Old Testament prophecies, everything concerning the Messiah. They also heard it from John the Baptist, and they heard it loud and clear, behold, the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. But based on their situation, their struggles, their frustration, they ended up taking one true aspect of Jesus' character and overemphasizing that, and they ended up misinterpreting and misunderstanding the person and the work of Jesus. So based on the prophecies that we just saw, was Jesus truly the lion and the lamb? What do you think? Was he truly the lion and the lamb? Or was he just the lamb and not the lion? Or was he both the lion and the lamb? What do you think? If he was the lion, that is talking about the conquering and the victorious king from the tribe of Judah, where do we see this conquering and victorious king in action? If he was the lamb, where do we see him in action? Well, Jesus was both truly the lion and the lamb. Did he fulfill both of these images? Did he fulfill both of these aspects? Did he fulfill both of these prophecies that were spoken of him? Yes, he did. Come with me to Revelation chapter 5. Revelation chapter 5, a very interesting passage, which will give us more insights on who this lion and this lamb was, and if Jesus was both the lion and the lamb, and if he fulfilled both of these images and these names given to him. In Revelation chapter 5, we see that John sees, Apostle John, not John Paul, <laughs> you know, he sees, uh, Apostle John sees a vision of the throne room of God. And in this throne room, right at the center is God, and, the right, and at the right hand of him who sat on the throne is a scroll. And John sees a strong angel and, that proclaimed in a loud voice, who is worthy to open the scroll and break its seals? There was silence like there's silence now. There was no one. No one in heaven or on earth or under the earth was able to open the scroll that was in the right hand of him who sat on the throne. 
And when John sees this and then he hears this deafening silence, he begins to weep. Now why is he weeping? He weeps so loudly because there's no one who is worthy to take that scroll and to open it and to look into it. He's weeping for the sins of mankind, that there was no one worthy to open the scroll. Well, that's not the end of the story. One of the elders, how many elders were there near the throne of God? What is the number? Number of elders in the throne of God? 24 elders? Okay, one of the elders tells John not to weep. He said, there is one who is worthy. There's one member of the human race who has not sinned. Behold, the lion of the tribe of Judah, the root of David, has prevailed to open the scroll and to lose its seven seals. I'm sure, you know, John would have clapped his hand or jumped for joy or danced because there was one from all mankind who had not sinned, who was worthy to open the scroll and to look into it. And who is this one? This is none other than Jesus Christ himself. As we see here, the rule of David, Jesus was a descendant of King David and from the tribe of Judah. Remember the first prophecy I mentioned Earlier in Genesis chapter 49, the scepter will not depart from Judah. The scepter being the symbol of kingly authority and lordship. The angel tells John that the lion of the tribe of Judah is worthy to open the scroll. Now why was he worthy to open the scroll? So how is Jesus, this lion of the tribe of Judah, that is, that is ascribing to a victorious and conquering king, how does Jesus fit in this role? Because Jesus was the one who conquered sin, death, and Satan on the cross. Can we say an amen to that? Amen. We have one from the entire human race, one who was without sin, one who was worthy to open that, take that scroll and to open it because he was the one who conquered and reigned victorious over sin, death, and Satan. He was victorious. He, was, he had conquered sin and death. And as a king, Jesus established his kingly authority and lordship over sin, Satan, and death. But the people could not understand this. No doubt the word of God says, and God, say, when, and God declares and says, my ways are not your ways, neither are my thoughts your thoughts. See, 
The people were expecting this king would come and lead and you know, raise up a great army and fight the Romans. But in God's plan, it was a king who would reign victorious and conquer sin and death and Satan. We read earlier in Genesis chapter 3, the first prophecy in the Garden of Eden, where God says that the Messiah would come, where he announces the coming of the Messiah, and he says that Satan would wound the Messiah, but the Messiah would crush Satan. So on the cross, Jesus crushed Satan. He defeated Satan. He crushed him to the ground. So moving on with this vision that John sees, he sees, um, you know, when he hears, hears that, you know, there is one who is prevailed, one who is worthy to open the scroll, the lion of the tribe of Judah. We see John is waiting to see this majestic, powerful, and mighty lion, but that's not what he sees. So what does he see? Revelation chapter 5, verse 6. And I looked, John is saying, and I looked, and behold, in the midst of the throne, and the four living creatures, and in the midst of the elders, stood a lamb as though he had been slain. Imagine John's surprise. He's waiting to see this majestic, powerful, and mighty lion. And he sees this lamb. And this lamb is no way majestic or looks powerful, but it looks as though it had been slain. Now, why did this lamb look as though it had been slain? Remember the prophecies we read in Isaiah chapter 53, verses 4, 5, and 7, the passage of the suffering servant, the songs of the servant, or the songs of the suffering servant. In verse 7, where we read, he was like a lamb that is led to the slaughter. Why? Why was he like a lamb led to the slaughter? Verse 7 says, because the Lord has slain on him the iniquity of us all. Because the Lord has slain on him the iniquity of all of mankind. Now with this revelation, John confirms that Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God. So how was Jesus the Lamb of God? Now when the Israelites were in Egypt, just before God was going to deliver them out of Egypt, out of slavery, out of bondage, the night that the angel of the Lord, the angel of death is going to pass through the entire land of Egypt, God tells his people, take an unblemished lamb, a perfect lamb, slay it, and put its blood on the doorpost. Why? Because that night when the angel of death angel of the Lord passes through Egypt, the houses that had the blood of the lamb, the angel of death would pass over them. 
and those that did not have the blood of the lamb on the doorpost, the firstborn of that household was killed. And ever since that day, God told the Israelites to commemorate the Passover feast, an annual celebration of the Passover feast. This was done as a remembrance of how God delivered them from Egypt and provided for their lives. In the Old Testament law, sacrificial laws, we see that an unblemished lamb, a perfect lamb, was made as a sacrifice for the covering of the sins of the people, covering of human sins. An innocent lamb would be taken, the sin of the person or the sins of the entire community would be placed on that. That lamb signified the person who had sinned. And, and the lamb took the penalty of their sin. Now with the sacrifice of this lamb, the sin was covered for, but was not completely removed. But Jesus came to pay the penalty for our sins once for all. And through his death on the cross, Jesus became the perfect sacrifice, the pure, unblemished Passover lamb, who took our place, who made the atonement for our sin, ushering the new covenant of salvation for all who believe and who call on the name of Jesus. Well, Jesus came the first time to take care of mankind's biggest problem. Their political problem was real, but he, when he comes the second time, he will fix that. When he comes the second time, when he comes back again, he will fix that. But we had a way bigger problem than just politics. Our problem was not just out there. The problem of mankind was just not out there. The problem of mankind was in here, our heart, a heart filled with sin. Jesus came the first time to take care of the bigger problem, sin. He came to take care of first things first. Well, he comes the second time as that king who will fight for his people and deliver them and be that conquering and victorious king and he will rule and reign for a thousand year period on this earth. And all of them who have been washed by the blood of the Lamb will be part of that glorious reign of this glorious King. Can we say an amen to that? As important as it, it is for us to know the Lion of the tribe of Judah, that wouldn't have mattered much if he did not become the Lamb. As important it is for us to know the lion of the tribe of Judah, that wouldn't have mattered to us if, if he had not become the lamb. Well, he would still be God. His, his kingdom will reign from eternity to eternity. There will be no end. He will ultimately triumph over his enemies, but we, will, we would still be lost. What makes Jesus all the more impressive 
that his road to being the king started with suffering. The road to becoming the king came through suffering. He did not redeem us by just keeping his status as a lion, but he redeemed us by becoming the lamb of God. He redeemed us by being that humble lamb. Jesus Christ as the lion conquered sin and death so that we could share in the glory of his eternal kingdom. And he made this victory possible through his work on the cross where he stepped on that cross as that innocent lamb to be sacrificed for our sins once for all. He stepped in as that innocent lamb to be victorious over sin and Satan so that we can share in his glory, so we can receive that eternal life. So we can make him the king of our hearts. Are you willing to accept this Jesus this morning? As we draw near to the end of our service this morning, as we've heard about who this lion and this lamb is, this great king who left everything, who gave up everything, who emptied himself to becoming that humble lamb, for dying on the cross, for paying that full sufficient perfect sacrifice for our sins, for taking our place, so that we can share in the glory of his eternal kingdom. If you've never accepted Jesus, if you've never accepted or known this lion and this lamb, would you want to do so this morning? For those of us who've already accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, for those of us who already know him as the lamb who made that, that perfect sacrifice on behalf of us for our sins, do we truly acknowledge him as the lion? Do we truly acknowledge his lordship over our lives, over every area of our lives? If we've asked Jesus to forgive our sins, have we filled our life with the things of God? If he has redeemed us from sin, have we accepted his lordship in our lives? If we haven't, then there is a greater problem. I'll go on to explain this, and, and just as we are drawing close to the service, I'd like the worship team to come up. You know, I said that we may have accepted Jesus as our Lord and Savior, He's redeemed us from our sin, but have we truly accepted his lordship over our lives? If we haven't, then there's a greater danger in that. Why? Remember the Israelites? God redeemed them from slavery, from Egypt. He promised to take them to the promised land. He provided for them. He took care of every detail. They saw God's glory, his power. But what happened when they reached the Red Sea? They started grumbling and murmuring. What happened when they reached Mount Sinai? 
when they did not see Moses coming down the mountain for so many days, they made an idol and said, this is the God who brought us out of Egypt. There's a great danger when we do just one part of accepting Jesus as our savior, but not accepting him as the Lord of our lives, because then there can be idols that creep into our life, that can destroy our lives, that can take us away from God. And that is what happened to this, this generation and the succeeding generations. They became idol worship, worshipers. God kept wooing them back to himself. But they loved their idols. They loved the culture of the world around them. They loved the people of the world around them more than they loved God and his word. That is what will happen when we come to this place where we say, you know, if I accepted Jesus, maybe that's a consolation for us to, you know, knowing this gentle, loving, humble lamb, knowing that we have a place in heaven. But remember, he's not just the lamb. He's also the lion. He's also the king who will, who will judge. So if we've just accepted him as our savior this morning, let's come to that place where we're saying, God, I'm giving you authority over every area of my life. I'm just submitting and surrendering all of myself to you this morning. Be Lord of my life. And as a lion, Jesus won the victory, conquered sin and Satan. He just didn't win this victory so that he can prove himself that he is the lion of the tribe of Judah, but he shares this victory with each one of us. He shares this victory with you and with me. He shares this victory over sin and Satan. So this morning, if we are struggling with sin, we are struggling with torment in our mind, in our emotions, in our body, Remember that Jesus has already won the victory. All we need to do is just declare his victory over our lives and be set free. Live and walk victorious in absolute mastery and dominion over Satan because the lion and the lamb has conquered on your behalf, on my behalf. Can we say an amen to that? Amen. And that is your gift. That is your spiritual inheritance. That is your birthright. So take it and claim it for yourself. The last thing is, as we draw near to the end of another year, regardless of all the challenges, the disappointments, the frustrations, the struggles and the persecutions that we faced, that we will continue to experience in our life even when the new year comes. But remember that as long as you have the lion of the tribe of Judah, the lamb of God with you, you will win at the end. Because Jesus rules for all eternity and you are part of his kingdom. And you will experience the benefits of his eternal kingdom for all eternity. So don't be discouraged. 
this time will pass but there will be a time when we will just celebrate with this king of kings and reign with him in his glorious kingdom let's all just stand to our feet and let's just take this time to worship the lion of the tribe of judah he deserves all of our praise he deserves all of our glory our adoration our worship and that is what all of the angels and the 24 elders did when this lamb that looked as though it had been slain went and took that scroll and opened it everyone fell on their knees and they worshiped him because here is one who's who's triumphed over sin satan and death so let's just take some time to worship this eternal god this all powerful god this king of kings this glorious god this victorious god this god who's conquered everything for us so that we can worship him so that we can experience him even as we worship him and even as you're worshiping him the bible tells us to offer our bodies as a living sacrifice that is holy acceptable and a pleasing worship to god so say god this morning i offer myself to you i offer all of myself come rule and reign in my life Hey 
thank you for taking the penalty for my sin, O oh God. I invite you into my life this afternoon. Cleanse me of all my sin. Wash me and be Lord of my life. If you prayed that prayer this morning, you're here in this auditorium. Can I ask you to raise your hand, please? Anyone who prayed this prayer this afternoon? Never prayed that prayer before. You prayed that this afternoon. Can I ask you to raise your hand? Those of you who are worshipping online, and if you made this prayer, if you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, you can type your name in the chat section, and our volunteers will pray for you. This afternoon, if you've asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life, but you've not submitted to his Lordship, you can say, God, I just submit and surrender all of my life to you, every area, God. You come, be Lord of my life, rule and reign over me, God. If some of us here are in bondage of sin, attitudes, going through mental trauma emotional pain and trauma Satan has been oppressing us and depressing us you are just living in darkness and you're crying out God my soul is overwhelmed my heart is distressed Remember the Lord, the Lion of the tribe of Judah has given you the victory. Just claim your victory. Shout your victory. Declare your victory over these areas. God, this morning we declare your victory, God, over every area that people are oppressed and depressed. Mental trauma, God, we just... We just bind it in the name of Jesus. We just declare your victory over that. Those of them who are in emotional trauma and pain, God. There seems to be no end to their emotional distress. God, this morning in the name of Jesus, we declare the victory over their lives. For those of us who are suffering in our physical bodies, Jesus won the victory over sickness and pain and suffering just declare your victory over every over every pain over every uh, infirmity over every sickness over every disease say god i am just declaring your victory i'm just declaring your victory god over my lungs I'm just declaring your victory, God, over my liver issues this morning. I'm just declaring your victory over blood disorder in my body, God. You've already paid for my victory, God. You've already taken 
all of my sickness on you father you have given me wholeness and health and healing god and i just declare that over my body this morning those of us who are going through years of depression in the mighty name of jesus be set free this afternoon god we just we just command those distressing spirits to come out to leave them in the mighty name of jesus that satan will have no access to those those god we just shut all of those those in the name of jesus we seal it with the blood of the lamb and satan has no access to that we declare that in the name of jesus we thank you god we thank you for deliverance god deliverance over the words that we speak god maybe may it be words that are edifying enriching and building others up god for those of us who are going through constant condemnation or guilt living in shame just cry out to god this afternoon he's given you the victory over that there's no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus be set free in the mighty name of Jesus from every guilt and shame we thank you god we thank you god we bless your name we give you glory and honor and praise in Jesus name we pray and all of god's people said amen Thank you church. Thank you for joining us this morning. Thank you for joining us online as well. Have a blessed week and continue to celebrate the lion and the lamb this season and in the year to come. God bless you. Okay, let's pray. Now to him who's able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before that glorious throne. the only wise god be all glory honor and praise now and forevermore in jesus name we pray amen thank you for listening we trust this message was a blessing to you for more free resources including sermons sermon notes publications please visit apcwo.org for information on apc bible college in bangalore please visit apcwo.org/biblecollege Please remember to download the All People's Church Bangalore app from the app or Google Play stores.